Hey, hey, welcome to your weekly Skinny with Jesus. This is Bevan, and today is December 13th, 2016. Only 12 more days until Christmas. That's crazy, right? Only 18 more days left in 2016. That's even crazier. Okay, well, I am so glad you are on this call with us today. So we are in a series right now called Women of Influence, and we are talking about just that. We're talking about influential women of the Bible. Two weeks ago, we talked about Eve and uh, her influence over her husband. And last week, we talked about Deborah, right? You guys might remember she's found in the book of Judges, and we talked about her influence over the entire nation of Israel because of her single-minded devotion and obedience to God. So today we are going to look at the lives of two different women. We're going to try to draw um, something that they both had in common at the end of the conversation. Uh, We're going to be looking at Hannah and Elizabeth. Okay, and we're going to look at their influence as mothers um, or as parents for you men on the phone listening to this call. Um, We're going to be focusing on their willingness to surrender the lives of their children to God. Okay, so we're going to start with Hannah who is found in the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 1, okay? And there's a few things that I want us to be sure to mention and and give you guys kind of just some food for thought um, as you are looking into the life of Hannah, just some things for you to be thinking about. They're not necessarily the main point that we're going to focus on today, but I don't want to skip over them because I do think it, uh, I do think these points are, Um, merit-worthy, and I think uh, as we're studying the life of Hannah, it's important to note these things as well as the the main point that we're going to look at in a minute. So first of all, I want us um, just to think about a few things that we learn from Hannah, okay? She was the mother of Samuel, okay? She um, was barren. She was married. Her husband loved her dearly. But he had other he had another wife, and the other wife could have kids, and Hannah couldn't. And so Hannah had been crying out to God for years for a child, and she hadn't received one. And so she she was she was going through a hard time. She'd been living through a hard time. Um, we see in verse seven that after it talks about that this this other wife would provoke her to the point of tears. And you can just imagine, even though her husband was giving her double portions of meat because he loved her, and, and you can tell that he truly cherished her as his wife, there's still this void in her life, and there's this other woman in her life that's just, you know, um, torturing her with it, constantly poking her, right? So one of the things I want us to just note is that she hurt deeply and she longed for a child. Um, In verse 7, 
it says, this went on year after year, talking about um, the other woman who was um, provoking Hannah, okay? And then it says, whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. You guys, crying and won't even eat. So she'd obviously, she hurt and she longed deeply for this child, okay? The other thing I want us to note is that she was struggling with God's timing. Uh, We see this because it talked about that this went on year after year. This was not a short struggle for her. And And I can only imagine that she was frustrated. God, won't you just give me this already? I think that's noteworthy for us because um, it's important to be able to see ourselves in the pages of Scripture. It's important for us to be able to see that God did amazing things with other people in the Bible who struggled with some of the same things that we're going to struggle with in this life. I know I've struggled with God's timing on more than one occasion. Um, I can't think of a time when he's ever gone too fast. (laughs) It seems like he's always dragging things out longer than I would prefer. And I know that there is, there's a reason for it. He's building, he's building our faith. He's growing us. He wants us to trust him. But man, it's torture sometimes waiting for his timing. Um, Another thing I want us to note about Hannah comes from verse 19. Again, we're in 1 Samuel chapter 1. I'm going to read verse 19. It says, Early the next morning they arose and worshipped before the Lord and then went back to their home. Okay, so this is after we hear about her pain. She still doesn't have a baby. But she gets up in the next day and she worships. And I think that's um, that's so key here, that she worshiped in her pain. I think uh, another thing that's important for us to remember, we see at the, when we look at the life of Hannah, is that God hears our cries and that prayer actually matters. Right? Prayer opens the way to God's work. And it it's a dialogue between us and the creator of the universe. He wants that relationship with us. He wants us to cry out to him. Okay, let's move a little bit further along in the chapter. Verses 27 and 28 tell us, um, and I'm going to paraphrase here, but we can tell from these verses that Hannah trusted and she knew that her son had come from God. Okay, so fast forward. Hannah begs for a son. She prays and prays and prays. And God, even in her old age, he hears her cries and he grants her request. Verse 27 says, I prayed for this child and the Lord has granted me what I asked of him. Then it goes on to say in verse 28, so now I give him to the Lord for his whole life. He will be given over to the Lord. Okay, that is where, that is what we're going to focus on today. So Hannah had prayed for this child, and she also told God, she said, if you'll give me a baby, if you'll just give me this child, I'll give him back to you. Okay, so main point here, talking about Hannah, is that she knew her son had come from God, and she honored her promise to God, 
and gave Samuel back to him, to the church. I love this because, you know, it, it reminds me, it makes me think, how often do we think that answered prayers are merely coincidences? You know, I can only imagine if I was in Hannah's shoes, you know, we doubt God's hand in it. We question if he really did it, if he was the one responsible. You know, God answers our prayers, and then we go, oh, was that really God? Maybe that was just, I don't know. I mean, I probably just got pregnant. Or, I don't know, that probably just happened to come my way. I love that Hannah trusted God with the son that he had entrusted to her. She knew God had given her this child. And, you know, it got me thinking about all our children, my children. I have three. I have a daughter who's nine, and I have twin boys who are seven. And, you know, all of our children are God's children. And Hannah is such a great example for all parents because although for most of us we aren't ever going to be asked to give our kids back to the church at age three like Hannah was, she nursed him, she weaned him, and she took him back to the church and she handed him over to a priest. I mean, she went to visit him, but he grew up in the church. And, you know, we do even though we may not have to give them up at age three, we do all have to eventually let go of our kids. We must surrender them to God and his will for their lives. And it just got me thinking that 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 means we need to surrender our children to his will, whether or not it looks like what we may want for our kids. So another woman in the Bible where I think we see really just beautiful evidence of the same surrender is in Elizabeth. Okay, so Elizabeth was Mary's cousin. Mary, the mother of Jesus, that Mary, because there's a lot of Marys in the Bible, but we're talking about uh, Elizabeth is Mary, that Mary's cousin. So Elizabeth was the mother of John the Baptist. Okay, she, we see her in scripture, um, she was about six months pregnant when Mary, when the angel comes to Mary and, and Mary finds out that she is going to give birth to Christ. Okay, so um, this, Elizabeth is the mother of John the Baptist. John, the one who would make the way for Christ who baptized in his name, who told the people that the Messiah was coming, that John. Um, Mark 1.6 says, John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist. Are you guys picturing this? He wore clothes of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. You guys, this man was not just a little eccentric, okay? Elizabeth, like Hannah, thought she was barren, okay? She had waited her whole life for a child. And I can only imagine 
that the plans God had for her only son, now she's finally got John the Baptist. She's raised him, her beloved. At that point, he wasn't known as John the Baptist, right? It's just her son, John. And I can only imagine that these plans that God had for John were not exactly the plans that she would have chosen for him. You know, I imagine she she probably dreamed of grandchildren to fill her tent. And she probably had hoped her son was just going to live down the street, right, down the road. Not a life for him as a recluse living out in the desert dressed like Fred Flintstone in camel hair with a leather belt around his waist, eating locusts for crying out loud. You guys, this is the ultimate in weird cousins or that nutty uncle in your family, right? We all have one. (laughs) Get up for it. Christmas is just around the corner, right? 12 days away. (laughs) Okay, back to Elizabeth. But just imagine if if even though this wasn't what Elizabeth had dreamed for her son and for her own life, imagine if she had said no. Imagine if she had pushed her will on her child and tried to override God's will for him. Again, back in the book of Mark, chapter 1, this time verses 2 and 3, quotes from the book of Isaiah. And it says, I will send a messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. John was fulfilling prophecy. That prophecy was written hundreds of years before Elizabeth was ever even alive, before she'd ever even dreamed of having a child. God knew that he was going to fulfill that prophecy through her womb, through John the Baptist. I mean, that is so much bigger than anything Elizabeth could have dreamed for him. You know, and the the same is true for Hannah. I can only imagine that after years of waiting for a child that it felt almost impossible to turn Samuel back over to God and his plan for her son. But she did. She was faithful, and she honored her promise. The biggest thing that I pulled in in bullet point fashion here from these two women is that they trusted God more than they valued their own feelings and desires. They trusted God more than they valued their own feelings, and desires. You know, little did Hannah know that her son would become a great prophet, that he would crown Saul, the first king of Israel, that he would later anoint David, Israel's greatest king, who would one day take Saul's place. You know, as parents, if we do our job well, it is our privilege to send our children out into the world to do what God has planned for them to do. Not what we have planned for them to do, but what God has planned for them to do. If we are raising them to be good, God-fearing little people, then 
it's our privilege to turn them over and watch them do the work God has called them to do. So here's my question for us today. What dreams or goals are we pushing on our kids? Are we pushing them toward that we have not prayed about or sought God's will on? I'll repeat that one more time. What dreams or goals am I pushing my kids toward that I have not prayed about or sought God's will on? You guys, it's okay and even good for us to want good things for our kids, to push them and encourage them toward success toward uh, activities and things that we see that they're just naturally gifted at. That's okay. As long as we are always seeking God in it, and as long as we stay mindful that God's definition and the world's definition, maybe even our own definition of success, may look very different, right? God's definition of success and the world's definition of success may look very different different okay guys that that is what I have for us today Elizabeth and Hannah uh, forgive the dog barking in the background if you can hear that (laughs) as we wrap up this afternoon um, let's close in prayer okay bow with me dear Heavenly Father thank you Lord for this time together today. Thank you, God, for these beautiful examples, Lord, and Hannah and Elizabeth, of what godly surrender of our children looks like. And thank you, Lord, for um, the privilege of raising our children, for the privilege of of, um, trying to steer them toward you every day. Lord, I just ask that you would continue to guide us, continue to direct us this week in the decisions that we're making. I pray, Lord, that we would be bright lights for you. And, uh, Lord, as we head closer and closer towards Christmas, I just pray that we would continue to be ever mindful of the true reason for the season, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you sent your, your son. be born in a manger, eventually take the penalty of our sin on the cross. We praise you, Father. Thank you for your great love. It's in the mighty name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Okay, well, that is Cheerio in the background barking, going crazy, probably at the UPS or FedEx guy again, but that's okay. We'll just push right on through. Um, so I just wanted to say thank you again for being here with me this afternoon. This has uh, been my privilege to lead you in this call. We meet right here every Tuesday at 2 o'clock Central Time. The playbacks are good for a week until the next call replaces it on the callback number. But I also post these calls 
in the weekly Skinny Facebook page under the Files tab. Uh, right after we finish this call, I will put that there. So you are welcome to add yourself if you're not already a member of the weekly Skinny Facebook page. I encourage you to go to Facebook, search Weekly Skinny, and add yourself there. It's a public page. All are welcome. If you have found value in this call, I am so glad you did. And I encourage you to tell your friends, tell your teams, um, anybody that is in your life that you feel like um, would enjoy being a part of our group and, and tuning in here, um, please, please encourage them to do the same. All are welcome. And um, like I said, the, the calls, if you've missed some, if you want to get caught up and go back and look at what we've done prior to this call, those are all right there in that Facebook page, and you should be able to find them pretty easily under the Files tab. You can always shoot me a message if you uh, have any trouble with that. All right. Well, I think that is all I have for today. Uh, next week, we will be talking about, of course, heading into Christmas, the week before Christmas, none other than Mary, the mother of Jesus. So that is what uh, will be our Women of Influence. That's where it's leading us next week. And then we will take a two-week break uh, for Christmas and New Year's and um, be back here after the first of the year. I'll remind you guys about that next week as well. Until then, may God bless you and yours. Bye now.